Climb aboard the struggle bus. You got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we're here to fix your lives. Oh, I'm supposed to say something. Uh, that said, we're two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. Sally, what happened I, now? I don't know. I was just looking at you and like... It was so, me like I was talking to cool, you. Cool, so what's next? Um, this is our fourth podcast that we've recorded this week. Yes. Oh, that's right. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. Um, so I have completely forgotten where I am and what I'm saying. I think that's part of it. If you want to hear more of us, this is why the episode is late because we were like podcasting like crazy. Mm-hmm. We were doing a press tour. A press tour. Because we have a live show coming yeah. up. So we're on two episodes of Citizen Radio this week for Lady Power Hour. Mm-hmm. We co-hosted with Allison Kilkenny and talked about the patriarchy mm-hmm. and uh, other things. And then we were on Keith and the Girl, where we talked about what's in the news, and then a little bit about us. And uh, yeah, that was real fun. And I uh, made the mistake of telling Hamda that I am really nervous to podcast without you. And she was like, good to know. Maybe I'll throw you in the deep end sometime. So oh, wow. it's terrifying. Have you ever been on a show alone? Um, or like with a host you don't know? No. Because you were also on Tell the Bartender out That's this week. That's the only time that I it was just me, but you were the you were the host, so it doesn't count. Exactly, exactly. So it was just like Struggle Bus, but a little bit different. But your yeah. story on, on Tell the Bartender is hilarious about Thank you. whitewater rafting and why you shouldn't do it. I shared, I, I uh, when I posted it on Facebook, I tagged both the people I talk about in that story. I saw that. Um, and they, they enjoyed it. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, you can uh, tweet at us, by the way, at Struggle Bus Pod. Email us at Struggle Bus Pod podcast at gmail.com use the hashtag struggle pod buds 420 to send animal photos you're really killing it never too many animal photos oh and of course you can always tweet at sally t or at spk heller and if you want to um listen to the episodes we that will, we were, yeah we'll link we, to them we tweeted them yesterday so you can just go to our twitter feed and and follow those links and you can listen to citizen radio and keith and the girl yes and also um strugglebuspodcast.com I'll put the links on for this episode of oh, all sweet. the podcasts Booyah. yeah so after you're done listening to this you've got like four more hours of material <laughs> um, so we were going on a press tour because we're doing a live show we've all these sold tickets unbelievable wait want- have we yeah I've oh, got shit. a few yeah. alright do you want to tell them about yeah, yeah, yeah. what's so going to happen on Monday February 8th at mm. Union Hall in Brooklyn stop it I can't stop it alright go I won't. on I can't and I won't Struggle Bus Live with special guests Janine Garofalo and Hemda Hennessy of aforementioned podcast Keith and the Girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be super fun. Uh, the show is at 7.30. Doors are at 7. We're going to start and end on time so that we can be in bed by 9. Get so there early. Get there early. Get a seat. Get a seat. It's like a small little fun intimate venue so get there early and, and sit down yeah and tickets are seven dollars in advance and ten dollars at the door and the address to get that address the sure. website to get that is uh unionhallny.com or strugglebuspodcast.com there's tickets on sale there and we will have uh limited struggle bus merch yes we at will. the show so that's gonna be exciting oh, you guys are gonna want this merch did yeah. you get it yet it's good merch i got it <gasps> Looks good. It's why fun. do I not have? Some uh, of them? I know. What, what am I thinking? I don't know. Why I did. I've had it sneakers. for like two weeks. I, yeah. I did bring you sneakers. Sally brought me sneakers. We should make. We should uh, make custom struggle bus sneakers. Oh my goodness! Bright yellow. <gasps> no, no, no. Um, roller skates. That's even wheels, better. But not roller blades. Right. Roller skates. They're, they look like a bus with four wheels. Yes. They're yellow. Oh my god! You brilliant. guys. Whoever wants to do that and send us the Etsy link, we'll <laughs> we will support you. Yeah, on that. exactly. Um, awesome. So let's talk about things uh, that happened to us this week, real quick. Okay. So we originally were going to record this earlier in the week and we didn't. Oh. So what I wanted to talk about then, which feels slightly more far away now, 
is the documentary Amy. I haven't heard. Oh, the Amy Winehouse. About Amy Winehouse. Okay, how was that? (sighs) It was so good. It was really well done as a documentary. But also, I didn't actually know anything about her. Um, Just because I there there are things that happen in culture that I I somehow miss. Um, Not because I'm like going to museums and like reading philosophy. I'm like probably watching (laughs) 902 and O reruns. But um, so I just didn't know who really who she was. And if you had said. Amy Winehouse to me I would have been like oh is that Katy Perry like I just had no idea yeah um so the documentary was a total introduction to her and her music which is really beautiful and she's clearly really talented and she's an amazing lyricist and her voice is just so unique and awesome her voice and amazing. is unreal yeah. but I didn't know anything about her like sort of decline and addiction and stuff like that um and also that she suffered from an eating disorder which i think people think was like part of why she died like uh-huh. part of the cause of death um but anyway the documentary is is so good and so sad and i wept at the end where can we watch it do you rent it or is it on like netflix um, you can i rented it like I, we get the dvds from netflix okay so, so that's how we got on. it but i think it I think it might be streaming. Maybe it is streaming on Netflix. Okay. But definitely like on iTunes. All and right. it's definitely worth paying like whatever. A Great. few bucks to watch it. So good. So sad. Is it going to be the kind of sad where you're like really sad for days? Or It's pretty fucking sad. Mm. It's so sad. So tragic. And it, you know, it starts when she's 18 or 19 and she's getting signed. And it shows her just how in love she is with music Mm -hmm. and how much she cares about her craft and and her saying like I hope no one wants anything from me other than music because that's all I can Mm -hmm. do and I hope that like you know if fame happens it doesn't require me to do x y and z because I really can't do that and I'm not about that and I don't want that and then you see fame and also like some fucking really toxic relationships like really just tear her apart is it like footage or reenactments or oh that's so that's actually the thing is it's all um like archival footage and there's no narrator. It's all like interviews that the director did with people in her life who were close oh, to her. Oh, okay. And the um, you're hearing the interviews with those people over the archival footage. And this is stuff that like um, she was taking for herself or a friend was taking. Well, or- yeah. A lot of times it's like you can, it's one of the situations where she's hanging out with friends and someone has like their phone out and they're taking video. Wow. And then sometimes like th- there's a good amount of footage of her going from place to place and place to place and that's all paparazzi footage I think Uh um which is so fucking wretched and awful that's that was my other big takeaway from the documentary is that paparazzi are like should be I I don't know put on an island somewhere far away from civilization because they Mm. are I really think probably part of her like ruin but um yeah it's it's fucking real good but definitely I would say um you know there's a lot of addiction Mm. there's a lot of like she's in this like really like really fucked up like relationship that seems like it has a lot of toxicity there's some eating disorder stuff so be prepared for that and then maybe don't watch it until you're like ready to sit with it great uh i would love to but that would definitely get me down maybe not for right now i had a shit week um (laughs) but the thing that happened on top of it all the cherry on the, the cake is um well first of all I saw an amazing show and I had a great mom date last week and my mom Aww. and I had a really nice conversation I think I told you a little bit about yeah. that and we just had a really good talk and I mentioned Struggle Bus and she was asking how it was going because she finally remembers I do an advice show uh-huh. like she only recently learned what podcasting was <laughs> she only finally listened to Tell the Bartender once all right but um, I mentioned something you had said in a recent episode, and my mother is a very smart person and knows a lot about these things. And she goes, that's Sally. I'd like to meet her. She sounds very smart. <gasps> oh, my God. Your friend Sally is very smart. Catherine's mom, 
I think you're smart. Aww. And I want to meet you. She's great. I will hope to make that happen. I don't think she can come to Struggle I think I've Bus seen live. her, like, at Tell the Bartender Live. She's been there, yes. Yeah, you, you saw oh, on her. on stage with Norm Lewis, Norm Lewis saying right? to okay. her. Oh. But um, on top of everything else that happened this week, yesterday I was at home feeling pretty sorry for mm-hmm. myself. And we have a situation in my building, and this is not the first time this happened, but we have a roof that has way too many holes and squirrels like to get in the walls because apparently they can live a full life in our walls. Mm-hmm. And my two upstairs neighbors were bitching about it and sending me audio links of it scratching. You can hear it on Tell the Bartender. They called the landlord. I was like, oh, yeah, you got to get that fixed. Somehow the squirrel managed to make its way down into my ceiling yesterday and started scratching. And I could hear it making, um, actually making progress because there's an area in my ceiling that had to be re refinished recently because okay. there was a, a, a what's it called leak a leak thank you and so the stuff that's up there now isn't solid it's like more oh yeah okay. easier it's to more scratch. squirrel friendly squirrel friendly <laughs> material and for like three hours it felt like there was something in the apartment I woke up from a nap because I was having a sad nap and I was terrified I was like shaking and I called the landlord I took audio of it yeah uh, well I, I just s- heard that it's not it's th- there you hear thumping it definitely sounds like there's a person inside your walls it really sounds like there's a person yeah. and uh it's just yeah so I didn't feel safe I felt very upset luckily it moved back to wherever it wants to go but the, oh that's good the exterminators are coming soon I don't know what they're gonna do break down our walls I don't know man I uh my friend uh Allison happy birthday Allison it's your birthday hey. Shout out. I love you Allison um she had she and her girlfriend had a squirrel invasion in their apartment. Um, well, I mean, one squirrel invasion makes it sound like it was like a squad well, of squirrels. Well, it sounds like it is like an invasion. <laughs> yeah, they're loud. And but it got into the actual apartment and it was like fucking tearing shit up. And they had to like barricade themselves. It like just really legit destroyed some shit because I think they get like scared and they just go insane. Well, also squirrels. Yes, yeah, they're they're very. Um, feral creatures yeah What's the they're word? like i don't want to be in your adorable brooklyn apartment i want to be fucking outside yeah or like, in your walls exactly and so they had to get a special squirrel guy they got there are squirrel people i know um who because this is like a legit thing and they're hard to get rid of so hopefully they'll come and i don't well, know maybe, yeah maybe they will like get, go they're sending the regular exterminator they didn't take us seriously i sent my landlord all these videos and she was like oh my goodness and i'm like yeah yeah but getting a squirrel person last minute apparently guys if you want to look for a new career Squirrel handler. Be a squirrel wrangler. guy. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have such a good deal with like rent stabilization, you could threaten to burn your building down. Great. I mean, I don't yeah. know. That seems like a solution. But also squirrels can eat through electrical wires. So oh, technically shit. they could well, burn this building down. So okay. I don't want to. Yeah. Good stuff, you guys. Um, all right. <laughs> Sorry. So <laughs> so we talk about the things we did this week to help ourselves uh, yeah. before we get to the. <laughs> I just want to say that I did nothing, which is why. I got sick last week, right. um, and I was in such a rage that I got sick, uh, and I hurt my knee, like you saw that picture last week. Like, the feeling of being laid up mm-hmm. um, is such a shitty one, and like being compromised and stuff like that. So I spent the three-day weekend that we had feeling incredibly sorry for myself and mm-hmm. full of rage at myself, which is totally not productive. Um, so I will not do nothing for self-care anymore and hopefully not get sick and hurt my knees. Um, but I actually, I, I do do this like once every few months. I just, uh, stop. I like forget to like get enough sleep and like take it easy on exercise mm-hmm. and like, you know, and, and then I sort of hit the wall. So, um, 
That's what I did. Nothing. Well, yeah. And we're not saying that not exercising will make you sick, but sometimes your body, when it is overly stressed, it can, if you're going to be catching something, it can make it worse sometimes. Yeah. Well, your I immune just, system goes down. Yeah. Stuff. And I just also, I push myself so hard that my body is like, ah, uh, no. Yeah. It's winter now. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting a blizzard this weekend. We are. Awesome. Um, yeah. This week, like I said, there was some personal shit that was, uh, everything's fine now. Like it's some, regular things you deal with but I definitely reached out to my support network of friends yeah. and I don't do that often I guess because I don't like to ask for help too much but I straight up was like I need help I called my best friend from college Aww. yeah we had a great chat so I don't know just remember that you have great friends and they really can step it up and help you out that's and, awesome yeah so that's that good stuff great so listen I want to briefly address this so we got a, a response to last week's episode and um hold on uh, hold on. Uh, hey, Kate and Sally, you can call me Daydream Believer. I was listening to episode 2940 Wonderful of oh, two weeks ago and became a little sad and defensive when I heard what you were saying about the many award shows that we have. Yes, we focus way too much on the spectacle of it all, but techies had to put that spectacle together. I know that the general public doesn't see the awards given for the technical aspects of a TV show, movie, or Broadway show, but without those people, the actors who everyone is praising would be walking around on a blank soundstage in an empty theater with just the fluorescent lights that they turned on when they walked in. I agree that we have a lot of award shows, but I also think we are focusing a little too much on just the people we see and not the people who create the world that the pretty faces play in. Please remember this is coming from a theater techie's perspective who is also starting a podcast, yay, and who hopes to get into voice acting. A big recognition for my work would be great because as humans, we have become accustomed to recognition in almost any way we can find it. But I feel that the people who should be getting more of a shout out are the crew who put together and built the sets and the catering and wait staff who keep the drinks flowing and the food hot for these shows. Anyway, I just wanted to voice that as a small community theater techie with big dreams. Thanks for the bus ride. Looking forward to the next episode. So my initial reaction just real quick is, of course, I, I got to tell you, the show cannot go on without the tech people. It, you have no idea. My friend is a costume designer now in LA she actually does stuff for the Oscars she's huge That's cool but in college some of the actors she was my roommate as well some of the actors would treat the other people as less than because they're like I'm an actor so I learned real quick that the tech people can fuck with you she used to put pins and dresses of people who were like mean to her shit like that so yes totally techies and I've done that work at the same time award shows I mean yeah they're really just there for the actors and that's sort of my problem with it and, you know, techies do get awards, but they don't air them, you know? So I totally agree with you in that sense. But also, if you really love what you do, you don't need an award show, you know? I get it that you should get recognition, and it sucks. I totally agree with you on that end. But I guess that's why I'm sort of not really into award shows is, yeah, you did your job. You know, does everybody have an award show? Do teachers have an award show, you know? No, there's a lot of people who do the really hard work that never get recognized. And I think that's sort of more my perspective as opposed to everyone gets a trophy, Maybe no one should get a fucking trophy, Sally. <laughs> yeah, my, my reaction to this letter is I just, I don't remember us ever disparaging award shows. So I feel like... Oh, no, I did. Not that... Oh, you did? I did. I, I, I kind of shat on them. I said oh. they're pointless or... They're oh, great. okay. Yeah. Well, I don't remember my... I don't remember me. Right. <laughs> no. I mean, like, I, I remember what we were talking about was the difference between, like, the SAG Awards mm-hmm. and the Golden Globes and the Oscars and stuff like that. Um, And so, like, I don't really... I, I really don't have a, a feeling about award shows, whether or not like the it's like the people backstage or the people on stage. There are a lot of things in our society that underscore and put into relief the inequality that is systemic throughout, whether it's, you know, because like rich, white, slender, 
normatively gendered looking people are being rewarded for looking the way they look or um I like totally lost my train of thought because of all those adjectives yeah. but like I was the, actually the, really stumbling I was like how how is she using all those adjectives I, so well, well I can use them but then I can't finish a sentence but like <laughs> you know I mean like yeah th- there's inequality everywhere it's systemic and I guess award shows are a part of it but that goes without saying and I'm like I'm not interested in like <laughs> dissecting I, I'm I, like I don't I don't mean to like shit on your point daydream believer at all um like I come from a theater family my mom's a director and my brother does lighting design and is a stage manager and is one of the most talented people I know and stuff but like I just like can't get it up for this discussion about whether or not what like where is the injustice in award shows because I just take it as a given like it, it's one of the many places in our society where there's where you can see inequality at work and Mm -hmm. where you can see privilege at work and I take that as a given and I don't like I (laughs) yeah I I also just I feel like I, I know you're not writing and asking for advice but like I do sometimes personally listen to podcasts and hear you know the hosts or whatever talking about a topic that I relate to and I I think that I can hear in what they're talking about something that is relevant to me or like something that puts down a thing I believe in or whatever. And I I, I think maybe potentially like were you listening um, for us to say shitty things about like techies or for like techies to not be recognized because it's a thing that you feel is just happening generally in your life? And if so, I understand that you'd be listening and like that would be your takeaway. Yeah. But I think I, I feel like it's like a, a bit of a stretch yeah. Is that fair? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't think we said specifically a word. Show. Well, I did. I did say it. But I think in a way we all are in agreement because the techies are not treated with respect. And this is sort of why I'm like, Ugh, every time there's an award show. Yeah. You know, they come after the commercial break. They're like, previously there was a luncheon and the head sound guy got this trophy. And I'm like, oh, God, like, OK. Yeah. yeah. I think I think we can all agree that the people who work the hardest and do the hardest jobs that make the the infrastructure of our lives work um, are the most underpaid and undervalued. Absolutely. And I think like that, yeah, we, we know that and then uh, stipulate that and also talk about it extensively. Yes. So, so yeah. So we hope that clears that up. <laughs> um, all right. Let's get to the first email. Did you want me to read or? I can do it. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, oh, fake name. Okay, so we oh, need yeah, to, fake name. Yeah, sorry. So, wh- where should we go with this? Um, is there a theme of something that you've been watching? Sopranos. Yeah. Okay, let's do that. Yes. Um, I have no idea what gender pronoun this person prefers. I'm just gonna pick a name Melfi? of an amazing character. Oh, okay. I was gonna. Yeah. Okay, Doctor Melfi. Well, what were you gonna say? Well, I was gonna say Carmela. I love that. Yeah. Carmela's everything, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Carmela. Um, I recently got hired at a job and subsequently fired two months later. I was never given an official reason, thanks to at-will permissions and the fact that I was a temp, so I had little value to the company. But my coworkers who I became friends with basically told me my boss thought I wasn't catching on and didn't take initiative. I can't say I disagree with them. From the moment I sat at orientation, I knew this place wasn't for me. Everyone was stiff. Most of my job was documentation, even though it was technically a science job. Very little science needed to be done. 
I spent most of the time bored and was told to look busy, which I think I might be incapable of doing. It makes me feel very inauthentic. It was a nine to five, which I really struggled with. In my previous job, I was doing research, could come in whenever and often at odd hours. At my new job, I found myself constantly missing the chaotic journey that you go on when you're doing scientific research. I know this place wasn't for me, but it still feels really shitty. I was never alerted to the fact that my performance was anything less than acceptable, but several times I had inclinations to speak with my boss about the struggles I was having feeling productive. I avoided talking with anyone superior to me, partially because I was worried I would come off as seeming insecure, which might have made things worse for me, and partially because one of my superiors was rude to me, laughing in my face several times when I made minor mistakes. I didn't want to seem as if I was crossing her. I struggle with anxiety and depression, for which I am medicated, but as you know, I still have to deal with triggers and other aspects of it on a daily basis. Additionally, I have cystic fibrosis and spent the first month of my new job fighting a bad cold, which no doubt had an effect on my job performance. I know that in my next position, I need to speak up and not be afraid to check in with my superiors. My question is, do you think I should be upfront with employers about the fact that I have anxiety and an illness? I typically avoid telling people because I don't want to be discriminated against, but after this experience, I now realize just how much these things affect me, especially when I'm not in an environment not suited for my personality. I'm also trying to keep in mind that everyone has failures, and even though I intellectually know this is true, I'm having trouble fighting the feeling that I'm completely unworthy. Any advice? Thanks, Carmela. P.S. I do see a therapist. Yes, Carmela. Yes. So I have a few opinions about this. First is getting fired or getting rejected or any something like that is really traumatic. It can be. It totally. Feels, it makes you feel like shit. Your ego's been bruised. It's it's a really crappy feeling. And I, I feel that from this letter that you're still kind of kicking yourself and being really hard on yourself. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what this job was, but it sounded fucking awful. And it sounded like you weren't happy. And that's totally okay. There's some really bad offices out there, you know, and really bad bosses. There was that story recently about the company in the UK that they put tracking devices on employees' desks to make sure they were sitting there. That's ridiculous, like treating people like children. And many places are like that. So, uh, Carmela, that's totally normal. And getting fired for something that, you know, isn't your fault or something that you see as a personal failing, yeah, you can learn from it. But I don't know, maybe your boss is a jerk. Maybe they didn't communicate with you enough. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, so think about that. Um, As far as should I tell people about my anxiety and depression in a new workspace, I would say unless you have to, which I don't think you should ever have to, oh, no, no, never. I mean, everyone's suffering from something unless it's like I'm in a wheelchair, I need help or, you know, extra time to come from place to place unless it's something that you really need them to change things around uh no no only because people will then stigmatize you sorry it's true yeah Yeah. and also i think that uh well i don't know i think first of all i wouldn't if you can possibly try not to look at this as a failure yeah because you actually learn something really valuable which is that at a nine to five job where you don't really think that you have much to do or that you don't feel like the work is important and you're just being told to look busy you you have a hard time like giving a shit and like which I totally understand and I'd feel the same way um and maybe that also brings about your anxiety and stuff like that so I think that um I don't know if you have reason to believe yet that like your anxiety and depression will become will be so unmanageable in any job that you'll have to disclose I think um I think that if you're in a job that you don't like that's very stiff and you have a manager who's an asshole and like laughs at you like yeah your anxiety is going to come out but I think that is um 
that is like just some data you can use to make the decision about what kind of jobs you try to get in the future. Um, and I agree with Catherine. Like I, I wouldn't tell people about, you know, your about your struggles with anxiety or depression because I think um, you just don't know how they're going to take it. And like also, you know, I guess for better or for worse, like in our culture, the workplace isn't really a place where people take care of one another around mental health stuff. That's actually like a thing that you have to do with yourself and your therapist and your friends and your, you know, your loved ones. So I just, I don't, I, I, I don't want to say like it has no place in the workplace because it's not really that as much as it is like, I just, I don't think you're going to get like care around it in the workplace because most, a lot of people probably won't, wouldn't know how to provide it and also wouldn't feel expected to in the workplace. Yeah, and also props to you for getting help because I'm just flashing back to all my old office jobs and even the people who weren't in therapy had issues and they would take it out in different ways by like punching a file cabinet. And, you know, so everyone's got something and a mm-hmm. different way of dealing with things. Uh, it's really none of their business that you have this. I mean, if you really want to, you can, but I just don't think it would help or really explain away anything because you're learning how to function in day-to-day life with what you have. Yeah. You're taking the tools, you're getting help, and you're getting better. Um, so any employer should understand that everyone's got a personal life and their own things. Yeah. It's just how you what what you bring to work mm-hmm. and what you're able to bring. And it sounds to me like you just didn't like this job as well. And that's totally okay. Yeah. It's it's really hard to perform at a job that you don't like. I oh, think. yeah. Um, one other thing I was going to say is like, I think that, and maybe you already do this, I don't know, but like when you start in a new job or when you're interviewing, I think it really helps to talk to the person who's going to be managing you to ask, you know, how performance is evaluated and how you know like just ask a manager straight up like hey how do you evaluate performance and like how do you let someone know if they're not meeting your expectations and um because I do think it's really helpful to know um that you work for someone who will fire people with absolutely no warning whatsoever Mm -hmm. and it's helpful to know that you work with someone who were you know where it'll never be a surprise that you're being fired you'll always be given some notice that you're not meeting expectations and if if you ask that question and you get an answer that you feel like is totally incompatible with your work style, you'll know that that's maybe not a place for you to work. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. So yeah. Thanks, Carmela. I hope that helps. Hang tough, Carmela. Great question. Yeah. Um, all right. So this is... Uh, is this um this name? That's their choice. Oh, the, oh right. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what it says. Okay, cool. Um, okay. This is from Uma Unemployed. Dear Kate and Sally, here's my struggle bus speed bump. I'm having career issues. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Also, I've spent the last two years at home eking out a frail income with freelance writing and working my butt off as a mother for the other 90 hours a week. (laughs) I finally found a wonderful, affordable, full-time daycare for my son. But I have no idea what I should do. I've had a number of different career paths and feel like I've either kind of failed at my jobs or the industry has imploded. I've done sales-related things and writing-related things. The sales is too competitive in New York for me to hack it or be happy, and freelance writing all alone with inadequate mentoring and structure is making me poor and crazy. I'm depressed about sending out resumes and feel like a failure. I've been able to hide behind motherhood for so long. It has been meaningful, but I'm eager to work with other adults and make more of my own money. Tempting, sorry, tempting. Tempting. Well, well, well. Paging Dr. Freud. Uh, Temping seems like a good start, but I'm so freaked out by how I will appear to people who would hire me. I'm smart, educated, and well-smoking. 
Spoken. Smoking. Oh my Freud. God. What's even Smoking happening right Reynosa. now? I oh love it. Boy. Keep, keep it going. Oh man. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let me, I'm going to start that sentence over. I'm smart, educated, and well-spoken, but I've had an unstable career. Also, I'm by myself every day now and it's way too easy to put this off. I'm out of date and it sucks to put myself out there. Somehow career is where the bulk of my shame lies. I'm having a hard time busting out of my own relative self-sabotage and I'm having a hard time asking for help from my family and friends. I need to break out of my freaked out little shame shell and come up with innovative solutions on how to get over my own shit and get a job. Any advice? Thanks so much. Love your podcast, Uma Unemployed. Full disclosure, I do know this person, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, they're they're a friend. Um, Yeah, so here's the thing. This is a really tough situation because when, it's like a vicious cycle, right? Like when you haven't been in the game for so long, the longer it gets, the more you feel like, oh, I can't do it. And obviously you can, you can start again. You might have to start from the bottom, which sucks. But when you let yourself get in your head too much, it can make you feel like really less than Mm -hmm. and that you just don't deserve it and all that stuff. And it is hard being a parent, you know? I mean, there's a lot to juggle here. But I would say if you find just something part-time to get yourself back into the game, it doesn't have to be in the industry you even want to be in, maybe just temping. It really helps to leave the house sometimes Mm -hmm. and just to sort of get out of your head and then start to work on the next steps because you can't build the mansion without a a brick foundation. There you go. Yeah, it's just, it's harder to say I need to have this job by this time than it is to say if tomorrow I contact a temp agency, that's the first step, that's all I need to do today. Don't put too much pressure on yourself to solve this immediately. It's going to take a while, but start with just finding a way to leave the house, even if it's a job that you don't want to do forever. It's nice to just get out there and meet people. Yeah. Sally, what do you think? Yeah, and I think also if you start doing some sort of job, um, you might, you'll have like a good day where you feel like you did stuff well and that'll maybe boost your confidence. Um, and the other thing I would say is, if, if I just think that if you have if you know that a lot of your neuroses or hang-ups or shame are tied up in like one really specific area it's really worth exploring so if I were you I would uh, check out therapy and try to understand the relationship between like you know your shame shell as you called it <laughs> and like and your feelings of ambition and success and succeeding in your in your professional life because uh, I think that would be really helpful um, and then I guess the other thing I would say is I would maybe like I'm a big fan of informational interviewing and just sort of asking people who are in industries or doing jobs that you maybe want to do or are or want to learn more about. Ask them if you can take them out for coffee for like a half an hour and just ask them about their career and what they do and how they got there and just hear them like riff on their own jobs um, is really, really helpful and I think can um, really spark ideas in you and also help you understand the paths that people took to get to where they are so it doesn't feel so like impossible to you. Um, And also, so informational interviewing uh, people who are doing things you might want to do, but then also I think maybe talking to people who are like living (laughs) like a version of life that you want to live. Like Mm -hmm. maybe they have a career that they find fulfilling uh, and they found it a little later in life and they have a kid. Mm -hmm. Like maybe that's a person to be like, hey, like I just want to like learn more about you and like tell me about like how you, you know, came upon this career and how you got interested in it, how you started it. Did you go to school? Like all that stuff. I think that that is like a really good step because it, I think it demystifies, um, how you can get to where you want to go. Yeah. And uh, real quick about inter- informational interviewing, which I do love, just be cautious because I'm in a um, uh, 
female um, writers group and one of their main complaints as because they're trying to struggle to get by but they're successful because they've had something published is when people say tell me what you know I want to be like you and expecting you to give them an answer so just be careful that if you ask somebody and they're like I don't have time don't take it personally just because you might be shocked how many people are in your position and it looks like on the outside they're being successful but on the inside they're like also feeling very conflicted and mm-hmm. overworked yeah I would know? I would definitely not be like, hey, I want to be just like you. Tell me everything. I would yeah, I would yeah. be like, hey, like, you know, in a really gracious way, if you have any time to spare, um, I know this is awkward and maybe puts you in a strange position and I don't want to assume that you can, right. you know, I, you can download your brain into my brain. But would it would you mind like hanging out for half an hour and just like talking about our field is maybe a better way yeah, to I put it. Yeah, I occasionally get inquiries from people saying, I need to learn about podcasting. Do you have time to answer a few questions for me? And yeah, if you phrase it that way, absolutely, I can mm-hmm. do that. But there's times where I'm like, I can't get back to you within a week or, you know, whatever. And then I had one guy recently who was like, hey, tell me everything. I'll buy you a drink. And I'm like, I don't have time to, That's to not make a you thing. feel good about yourself. Um, but I <laughs> I also know this person, so I know they're not the kind of person yeah, to do yeah. that. But I wanted to just say, you know, in general. That's no, that's a good to, point. Like, I've had people email me. And be like, hey, I know so-and-so who knows you. Could we maybe meet for coffee? And they, they ask me in like a really nice way. Yeah. And I'm like totally psyched to do it. And then I know other people who email, email me. And they, it's like, it's not asked in a nice way. It's sort of entitled. And it's mm. sort of like, just tell me what I need to know. And let me get out of here. And then to those people, I'm like, fuck all the way off. Yeah. So ask in a nice way. Yes. Yeah. So, and also, that was, that was great advice you gave Sally. Just for like, you know, seeing what's out there and doing a little bit of research. You can also Google some, you know, things about articles about people who are in mm-hmm. the same field. But I think you will find that everyone's got a little bit of a struggle like mm-hmm. nobody's really got their shit together so if you think you're the only one you're not yeah <laughs> like, no, no way everyone's got something that makes them feel insecure and less than or not whatever totally. and you're right the economy is shit right now so there's that and that's really hard and i understand the like i mean i i made a career change and um oh yeah that's right and freelance writing is really hard and like i think it requires a really particular kind of like hustle that mm-hmm. like I personally don't know if I have and so I get that but um hang in there and like just don't don't let your shame shell um also don't like it's cool that you know that self-sabotage is a thing for you but don't let that become a, like a stick that you beat yourself with that yeah. then prevents you from like taking action exactly all right the last one we get to choose a name and it's a madman name they requested <gasps> a madman name so Sally what do you think oh well I chose Carmela so I feel like you should choose okay um Ginsburg? Yes. Oh my God, we God, that's love so Ginsburg. Perfect. Ginsburg has a, well, don't watch the last season, Ginsburg, but season before that, Ginsburg. Poor Ginsburg. Poor Spoiler Ginsburg. alert. But yeah. he's a great character. Great character. All right. Dear Kate and Sally, I'm going to go ahead and list a couple trigger warnings just because it seems like the safe thing to do. Toxic families, sexual assault and incest, abuse related to mental illness. Um, I've been struggle bussing lately and hard. My story is a long one and I'm going to try and hit the important points, but forgive me if things are unclear, disorganized, or lengthy. I've never done anything like this because, and I'm not sure what to expect. I think this will really help me and you guys will have some words of wisdom for me. I just moved out of an extremely toxic household and am finally on my own. I was living with my parents and three siblings. I was raised in a a household full of abuse, manipulation, and guilt. To make things worse, incest was thrown into the mix. I was assaulted by a family member when I was young, and for years I was raped, assaulted, manipulated, and abused by my stepdad. It was brought up to my mom, and he was kicked out a few times, but always ended up moving back in with us, and the cycle continued. I was not allowed to leave or go to anyone for support for comfort with what I was facing. My mom wouldn't even let me talk to her about it. It's as if she couldn't handle facing it, so she refused to. 
My stepdad has bipolar disorder and my mom has anxiety and depression. Neither of them take any measures to better these things. So as a result, I've had, I've been forced to work around it, shove my particular problems under the rug and support my parents and family emotionally and financially in attempts to maintain some sort of stability and order in the house because if I made one misstep, everything would crumble. I carried a lot on my shoulders. I recently got out of a two-year relationship and right before the relationship ended, at the time I was oblivious to any cracks in the relationship and did not anticipate it ending, I came forward to my former partner about what has happened with my stepdad and some of the messiness in my household, something I'd never done before, and she gave me little comfort but told me I was an emotional burden. That really stuck with me, and with that being the first time I tried to come forward about it with someone who wasn't in my family, I carry a lot of feels and talking about it to anyone I'm trying to fight. In short, I've never been able to process being raised in an extremely toxic toxic household and an unhealthy situation for years on top of battling with my own depression and anxiety. Thanks, mom. Now that I'm on my own, I find all of these feelings coming up and my depression has been hitting me so hard. I've been fighting with shame and guilt, anxiety and depression, but trying hard to develop healthy habits and build myself up and fight these toxic residual feelings. I was never allowed to go to therapy, so it felt like an impossible possibility for me. But after listening to you talk about it and talking to a good friend about it, who also listens to the show, I made my first appointment to see a, th- a therapist on my school campus, which was really fucking hard and terrifying. But the appointment is in two weeks. My depression, by the way, this letter was sent in October. So sorry, guys. Oh, man. I know, I know. We're getting through them. Um, my depression has been so bad that it's almost numbing. I know I could, I know I need to build up confidence and feelings of security and stability and safety, and I could really use some guidance. I never get listened to, so writing this email is doing me worlds of good. It feels good not to have to be okay. In short, I guess, these are my questions. After getting out of a toxic and abusive situations and you are on your own, what do you do? I'm feeling lost and confused about where to turn. What kinds of healthy things or outlets can I turn to to help build myself back up again and not fall into old destructive habits or mindsets? Two, what kind of guidance and comfort can you give me in regards to starting therapy after literally not being allowed to? What can I expect from my first appointment? Three, my depression and anxiety are kicking my ass when they hit me. They hit me hard. I tend to isolate myself, lose any sort of focus, and fall apart. On top of that, my depression physically manifests itself in chronic body pain and soreness, fatigue, stomach problems, and nausea and a lack of appetite. What thoughts do you have on meds? I recently listened to an episode where Catherine started meds again and something that I feel like I need is stability. I feel like maybe meds could provide me with that, but what advice do you have in regards to that? Keep on keeping on, cuties. Thank you, thank you again, Ginsburg. All right. Sorry, that was, uh, yeah. I stumbled over a few words there, listeners, you guys. That was uh, it's okay. really feeling as, it. As you know, I was Freudianly swapping in words I wanted to say yeah, but in that the was last funny. letter. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> um, do you want to go through the, the questions one by one? Yes. Okay, so the first question, after getting out of toxic and abusive situations and you're on your own, what do you do? Um, what kind of healthy things or outlets can I turn to to build myself back up again and not fall into old destructive habits? I think... You know, the first thing is like doing a full on assessment of like who is in your life and the extent to which you have to be in touch with them. These, you know, like your mom and your stepdad, like I cannot imagine that being in any kind of like regular contact with them would be good for you or healthy. Um, But I don't know how much contact you have with them. And I don't really know like how impossible it would be to negotiate that. But I think just like reevaluating, you know, those relationships, like that's the first thing. Like who who is it that's in my life that's making it? that is in my way of living a non-toxic healthy life is one thing um and then the other thing i would recommend is like 
finding you didn't really mention like what you do and what you're into and what you like but I would spend time with those things with those like with those hobbies and those even if it's like going out to see movies like just getting acquainted with the things you like and you want to be around Mm -hmm. what do you yeah I was thinking first of all great points exactly what I was going to say um also give yourself time and understand it's not going to happen overnight Mm -hmm. and it's going to take a while before you start to you know build yourself back up but definitely what Sally said about getting away from the toxic people also recognize who your support network is because you reference a friend in this letter and you know think about even if it's just one person somebody who can help you also the fact that you're going to therapy is fantastic we'll get to that in a second but um yeah, if you can even find just little things you enjoy. But going back to support network, definitely recognize the people that trigger you. And if that means not talking to someone for a while or separating yourself from them, even if they're a family member, that's okay. Yeah. You know, it's it's a good way to sort of start to build yourself up. Time and distance can really help look at things in perspective. Yeah. Because if you've done all this personal work and then your mom says something that upsets you, it can take you back several notches, speaking from personal experience. <laughs> I had to learn how to let myself yeah. sort of build a a safe wall. And then now our relationship is a lot stronger. But we definitely went through a period where I couldn't talk to her for a while. Yeah. And that was really hard. But it helped me a lot. I think that that's actually like one of the main points in this whole thing is that you're sort of in some ways like starting from scratch and you're going to learn the things that feel healthy and that give you comfort and that feel good um, and you're going to like learn them little by little. Uh, so just I think like, you know, be try to be okay if you can with like a certain amount of improvisation, you know, because mm-hmm. it's kind of like a new, you're turning over a new leaf kind of, Yeah, you know? Yeah, and recognize that the, the younger version of yourself that's been through this is always going to be with you but there's a way in which you can proceed in life and take care of yourself and recognize that that's always going to be a part of you, but you can move forward and evolve Mm -hmm. from that. Totally. You know. Um, Okay, question two is, what kind of guidance and comfort can you give me in regards to starting therapy after literally not being allowed to? What can I expect from the first appointment? Okay, sorry, we're a little late. Um, You tell us what to expect from you. Tell us how it went. (laughs) How to go. (laughs) Um, I think that like, there, there. First of all, there are two things. One, you can expect to either totally not connect with the person and like want to find someone new, or you can find that you really connect or think there's potential there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like the very first thing, like just to keep in mind that it may or may not be a fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, therapy the way it's depicted in movies and films is not the way it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, there's different kinds. There's analysis where you lay down and you don't face them. There's talk therapy where mm-hmm. you're facing them. Most therapists uh, do not talk to you a lot, and it's really weird the first session. They just want to listen to mm-hmm. you. So expect that to maybe happen mm-hmm. because that is, I, in my memory of first starting therapy, I was like, why aren't they talking to me? Like, mm-hmm. they're not going to tell you what to do with your right. life. In the first appointment especially, they're like, lay it down. Right, you know, yeah. They do doing expect like to do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. and I think, um, I think one thing that often happens in first appointments is like, a lot of crying for some people oh, yeah. because it's like the first time maybe that especially it sounds like it might be for you Ginsburg the first time that you're really making yourself vulnerable in this particular way and talking about all of this traumatic stuff which might make you really really emotional um and yeah it I think it is really tough I think it's really tough I think especially if you've been raised to you know believe that it wasn't for you and not been allowed to go it might you might also have like additional trepidation around being there I mean I think everyone is like pretty nervous in their first ever session but you might have some extra stuff just because of um you know everything you told us uh mm-hmm. about how therapy was treated in your in your home and so um I would say like 
leave some time after the appointment to sort of like recover it might it might be a rough one Mm -hmm. um but I don't know it might also feel really freeing and amazing yeah yeah so you know don't don't discount the shrink if you're like we didn't connect immediately but do recognize that there are shrinks that don't yeah aren't gonna work right and you can also like I think it's totally fair to ask the the therapist what their style is because I do think that like there are some who just don't say a fucking thing and there are others who are more advicey and I think there's like totally a whole spectrum yes and you can sort of ask them what their style is and you know ask you can also ask them if they think that you guys are a fit I mean I feel like any good therapist if they didn't think you were a fit wouldn't try to keep you as a patient but you can really openly ask and discuss all those things yeah it's true they definitely don't want you to um pretend they're helping you Mm -hmm. when they know they're not Uh, ever been fired from a shrink sally no. I Have one, you? I once had one say to me, I I just hope you know that I don't think we're really making any progress in Ooh, this area. Jeez. I know. And I was like, I lost my shit. And I asked my, my friend about it who's a therapist. And they're like, no, that's very normal that if there's any roadblocks, it's their job to say this isn't working huh. for you. And I, I just want to alert you to that. And then we worked it out. But she wanted me to know that I was shutting down and she couldn't help me in a very big area. Oh, that's we so, up, yes. We okay. Were, so we weren't being fired. I felt like I was being fired from my okay. shrink. But she's like, I have I have to let you know that we've been dealing with this for a while and you're not cracking. That's fascinating. Yeah. Did that did it help you crack? Yeah, it did. And it's not like that was her intention. I think she's like, I feel like you can't talk to me about this and do you want to yeah. see someone else? Now I took it personally, like, my shrink's firing me. They didn't break up with me. But the good thing about therapy is that then you can talk about that in therapy. Oh you my can God. be like, You're making me feel like you're firing me. I did. That's we got awesome. into a huge discussion and she's like, Well, this is a very big Oh, man. Anyway. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, you guys. Therapy's amazing. Therapy's um, great. So anyway, uh, third Num- point? Yeah. yeah. Number three, my depression and anxiety are kicking my ass. And when they hit me, let me just go to the question. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on meds? I recently listened to an episode. I feel like maybe meds could provide me with stability. What advice do you have in regards to that? Yeah. So um, I think I've said this before, but I'll, I'll sum it up. Uh, meds you can only get from a psychiatrist, not a psychologist. So a psychologist or an analyst is what we talked about earlier. Psychiatrists have a prescription pad mm-hmm. and they have more experience in that. Psychiatrists don't always make the best therapists. So sometimes you need to get a psychiatrist and a therapist separately. Um, that's the first thing you need to know. The second thing is it might take a few months to find the right medication, which can be frustrating. But I started something new two months ago after trying several things that weren't working or the side effects were wonky and I really really like it now mm-hmm. and it's worth it but just be prepared that it might take a lot longer than you think um, I know people who've said all their lives like I could never be on medication I'm, I'm fine I'm normal I just get sad sometimes and a friend of mine recently went on meds even though she's doing just fine but she needed something to sort of help her get through some days and she's like yeah a really low dose of this thing really helps me put things in perspective and the last thing you should know about meds is you don't have to be on them the rest of your life there's times where it might work for a few years and then you've gotten the tools like I resisted getting on meds for a long time and finally my shrink was like you know if you and I was like I just need to go to the gym and she's like if you can't get out of bed in the morning you can't go to the gym you need to start with something right I think that's it's really important distinction between a therapist and a psychiatrist because most of the times the person you go to for your therapy is not a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. which is one of the things about the Sopranos that I'm not into I feel like they did that for like the ease of the narrative that's the thing is yeah TV and film it's very unrealistic but it works for the narrative okay yeah Yeah. anyway so we can talk about the Sopranos on on our spinoff podcast (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah I think that um, the one thing though is that you can talk to your therapist about meds because they they do have experience in it um and they can talk to you about 
you know, what to expect from it, whether or not you'd be a good candidate for this, that, the other thing. And also like a lot of people have feelings about going on meds. Like, and it could be anything from like, I don't want to do that. It feels like a weakness to I really need them or I can't survive. Like, and whatever your feelings are about them, exploring them with a therapist will be really helpful. Um, and they can really help you make the decision and understand whether or not it's a thing you want to do. And then they'll probably be able to refer you. Like if you like your therapist, they'll probably be able to refer you to a psychiatrist who you'll also like, who th- who then can do all the medical stuff and yeah. like determine like what you should take. And knowing how it works on the back end, psychiatrists and psychologists do referrals for each other. They work together. They go to conferences together. So your psychologist is the one who will probably recommend a psychiatrist that they work with. Um, and sometimes if you give them permission, they're allowed to call each other and discuss mm-hmm. your case yeah, if they're yeah. worried about you. So they really are looking out for you, but definitely ask your psychologist if yeah. they recommend somebody. But um, yeah, and I think I just want to stress that I know I make it sound like a really hard thing to do to get on meds because it takes months and you got to see an extra doctor and all this stuff. But if you look at it as if it were a fun adventure and a job and you treat it as like, all right, it's going to work out, but it's going to take a while. What's the first step? It's not as daunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? totally. And I think also, even though it might take a while for the actual like physiological effects to take place in your body, I think um, as soon as you start anything, therapy or meds or whatever, like you have that feeling of I was proactive and things are going to get better because I'm taking action. And that in and of itself is like medicinal. Oh, yeah. And I know what I want to say real quick. Um, it's funny, uh, people will tell you why certain antidepressants work and don't, but I know a neurologist and I spoke to another psychologist about this and, and psychiatrist actually I'm friends with, and they don't know why certain meds work, which is why they try you on little things. And when I spoke to my neurologist friend, she's actually working on a bunch of studies, but one of them is you never know what's going to work for you. So sometimes think outside the box even if your diagnosis is this and this is the meds for it it might be something else Mm -hmm. and that's how I got started on a different thing because that's what my brain was responding to and they didn't understand why but my psychiatrist is like it works that's all there is to it so I guess I want to let you know that if you meet a psychiatrist who's like no this is definitely your medication no no they are still figuring out why things stick to your neurons and why some don't yeah people I have like I have a bias towards like younger psychiatrists because I just think they get where science is now more like these old stodgy psychiatrists I don't know man I just I feel like they just don't totally understand stuff I never would have gotten (laughs) on the new meds I'm on now which aren't for what I'm diagnosed with because until I talked to my friend who's a neurologist who is also taking different things for what she was diagnosed with and she's like I it's like the brain is really tricky Mm -hmm. You really don't know why one thing works and why another doesn't. Mm-hmm. So feel free to think outside the box. Yeah, man. Yeah, cool, awesome. So wow, we uh, we're done. We were here for a while. We were we were. Chatting. This is a long episode. Felt good. Well, we had squ- we had our squirrel talk segment. We had squirrel talk, which That's was our good. Other podcast. Yeah. We had a uh, Sopranos talk. We had good. the uh, the tech versus uh, Oscar conversation. Right. Um, all right. Cool. So if you haven't gotten tickets yet, you guys, this is going to be great. Struggle Bus Live with Janine Garofalo and Chemda Hennessy. Chemda can give amazing advice. We're just winging it, but Chemda's actually a She's professional. like legitimately, she's one of those people who when you're around her, you're like, I feel your presence fixing my life. Yes. And also the things she says are wise and insightful. Spot on. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So she's great. Um, and Janine Garofalo, obviously. Come on, Janine Garofalo. Please. <laughs> Monday, February 8th, doors at 7, show at 7.30 sharp. In bed by nine. In bed by nine. And uh, $7 in advance. So get your tickets online at... Uh, UnionHallNY.com. And and um, also... 
Oh, and we will be taking live audience questions. You will be provided a pseudonym. Um, you'll it'll be totally anonymous. It'll be written down. No one will know it's yours. So if you have something that you want answered in real time with no preparation whatsoever on <gasps> our know. part, please come prepared to ask us a thing or two. As opposed to all the preparation we do now, I do. There's a Google Doc. There's some prep. That's true. You've been doing it. You you had websites the other day. I was like, well, what? you gotta. I, if I if I whatever it does it doesn't matter, guys. But there there is there is I would say a medium amount of prep. Yes. For the podcast. And I, w- I would say that for the live show, there will be a zero amount of prep. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which but, is why it'll be fun. But we have games. We have um, games. Yeah. And so to listen to all the podcasts that we were on this week, go on to strugglebuspodcast.com. There'll be links to those. And you can always tweet at us at strugglebuspod, uh, email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com. Use the hashtag strugglepodbuds420 to find a struggle buddy and send animal photos. You guys are doing a great job. Every day it makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. Tweet at Sally T or me at SPK song of the week is me right yeah yeah oh yeah sorry I because you yeah no it's you it's you I I was confused because there's a blank space in the dock and I didn't know what was happening yeah okay, I forgot cool. to write it in um so it is me right yeah you know it's you okay it's you. great so I I know this is gonna be classic but there's one song that's just really sad and haunting and beautiful. The original, I like it already. The original version is Tears for Fears, and it's really good. But okay. this is the version that you've all heard in the movie Donnie Darko or on some commercials. Okay. It's Gary Jules's version of Mad World. <gasps> you heard Adam Lambert singing on American oh, Idol. Yeah. It's just a really haunting song. And, you know, if you're feeling down, just know that you can listen to it and have a good have a good cry. That is a really good song. What Thank a good you. pick. I know. I felt a little bit too obvious. No, it's great. It's everyone never, plays it's never, that. I did like Ordinary World in one of the oh, earliest. Oh, that so one on. blew my mind. Wait, yeah. So who's the cover by? The cover's by Gary Jules. Gary Jules. This is Jules, the one that's okay. in Donnie Darko. Um, Ooh, I'm excited to hear but, it. But yeah, the original one's Tears for Fears, which I like as well. But this is super sad. So yeah, you guys. All right. Thanks for being there for us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Um, bye. Bye. <laughs> Sit and listen
Yeah.